You're listening to episode 258 of the Room to Grow podcast. I'm Emily Goff, a human connection coach, speaker, and mental health advocate with an insatiable sense of curiosity and adventure, always asking more questions and using the power of stories to teach, learn, and grow. It's about allowing for room to grow, and this podcast focuses on three main pillars, human connection, personal growth, and freedom. We cover topics like relationships and cultivating genuine supportive connections with ourselves and others, speaking your truth, shattering personal barriers, radical self-acceptance, and courageously leaning into your skill sets. Whether it's a solo episode or bringing on highly curated guests with incredible stories, experiences, and expertise to share, we're leaning in and taking the entire idea of growth to the next level, all while still covering the uncomfortable topics that many of us like to avoid. There's always more room to grow. Let's do this. Hey, hey, welcome back to the Room to Grow podcast. Emily here. And today we are talking to a very special guest. My friend Andrea Henry is coming on the podcast today. And I have worked with Andrea personally. She is a Cambridge educated lawyer with more than a decade of experience working with businesses of all different sizes and at every single stage of the entrepreneurial journey. She's spoken to hundreds of women led business owners over the years. And the one thing that has become clear is that most of them are out to change the world for the better. And she's just seen too many women taking unnecessary risks with with the one thing that's supposed to give them the freedom they desire, their business. So she's on an absolute mission to change that. And I just adore speaking with Andrea. I've used her uh, for trademarking some of my own um, things, including the Room to Grow brand is uh, trademarked uh, via Andrea. Thanks to Andrea. (laughs) And one of the reasons why I think this is such an important conversation to be having right now is because women have been hit the hardest by this pandemic economically. And in some other ways as well. But from an economic standpoint, women have been hit the absolute hardest. They've lost the most jobs, um, especially when it comes to having to be home and providing childcare and all of that stuff. Unfortunately, that has still very often fallen to women. And as a result of that, more women are starting and growing their own businesses as a result. So Andrea is teaching us how to protect ourselves here as entrepreneurs. And she is just an absolute joy to work with. She is the most lovely, incredible human. And I always love chatting with her. And this conversation was so special. I, I'm just so appreciative of her insights and her expertise. And you're going to get a huge amount out of this. We are covering some of Andrea's just really amazing personal journey and the incredible vision that she has for female entrepreneurs in particular. We're talking about how to build a business that fits your life, not the other way around, (laughs) because there's a very fine line there, and how to prioritize you, your health, and the life that you want to create first and foremost, while balancing that with building an incredible business that can thrive even without you being glued to your laptop 24-7. Been there. Uh, (laughs) We're talking about some of the major risks that can come up if we don't take the steps to protect ourselves and our businesses. And if you're a Canadian entrepreneur in particular, Andrea has some done-for-you templates specific to Canadian law, which can be much more difficult to find on the market. A lot of them are uh, American based, which is amazing, but it doesn't always protect uh, Canadian entrepreneurs as thoroughly as it should. So if you're a Canadian entrepreneur in particular, Andrea is absolutely the one to go to. And she's also offering uh, legal audit sessions. So all the information for her secure startup templates and her legal audit sessions are all in the show notes, or you can find everything over at roomtogrowpodcast.com. Okay, so I cannot wait to dive in with Andrea. Let's get into it. Andrea and I have been chatting for what, 20 minutes? (laughs) Okay, (laughs) I need to hit record because there's just pure gold happening. And I'm not capturing any of it. 
<laughs> Andrea, thank you so much for taking the time today. <laughs> it was my pleasure. Always great to chat with you, Emily. <laughs> oh my gosh. So I met you back in January and I had you cover my trademarks for both this podcast, Earn to Grow, and my course, Podcasting for Impact. And you were just a delight from start to finish, and which was, of course, not a surprise, but I just want to really reiterate that because you. you were just awesome to work with. So tell us a little bit about you and everything that you do. And we're going to get into some really big stuff today. I'm really excited. Sure. <laughs> so I am a business lawyer. I work mostly with women entrepreneurs. I'm passionate about helping women to protect their business so they can grow with confidence. Like I believe women having more money is a social good, right? Like we, all kinds of studies have shown that when we have agency, and when we have economic power, we're able to make positive changes in the world. We invest in our community. We invest in the next generation. So that is what I'm all about. Um, and the way that I help is by making sure that they've got the firm legal foundation in place in order to grow, to go after those bigger opportunities, to grow their team, to protect their intellectual property like we did together, um, you know, to have tax efficient structures so that you're saving as much of your money as you can is what makes me sing, right? I know for most people that makes their eyes <laughs> glaze over, <laughs> I get. But for me, I really, I really love it. Like seeing a client feeling confident to send out that contract to this new big client because they know it's solid and they know they're not going to be embarrassed by it. Um, and that confidence that comes with it is, is really the hugest payoff. And that they're, that they're protected too, because I know yeah. like for me, I was getting to the point of concern because I was coming out with this, with this mm -hmm. course that yeah. I, I knew was going to do well and, and hopefully, you know, have, have a big yeah. um, impact for a lot of people. And especially my podcast, because my podcast hits charts worldwide. Right. I was starting to get very nervous that I'm like, somebody could just come in and grab the name. And yeah. the, you know, my entire brand essentially is built yeah. on the room to grow podcast. So I felt a huge sense of relief after talking to you and really digging into what I would be covered under trademark, what I wouldn't be. And you had all mm -hmm. kinds of things. I mean, we can go into this a little bit as well. Like I didn't realize before speaking with you about the differences between the, the little TM, I, this very technical yeah. terms, the little yes, TM that's what versus I call it like too. the little R, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I didn't know the differences. So can you explain that to everybody? Because I had no idea until you explained that to me. And I thought it was so cool when, when you kind of laid it all out for me. Sure. So when you see the R, the little R with a circle around <laughs> it, that means a registered trademark. So someone's gone through the process of applying for registration and the government has sent them a sheet of paper that says you are the certified owner of this trademark, which is great. But even if you don't register, even before you register, so say you're now starting out budget is tight as it is for most of us when we're starting and you, but you want to protect your name. There are things that you can do. And one of them is by using that little TM. So you can use the superscript TM even before you've registered to alert people and put people on notice that you are claiming the name right now. The R is better because the government sends you a certificate that's unassailable proof, as opposed to you just asserting it and someone could assert the contrary, but if you've been using the name consistently and you can show, show when you started using it and you can show that you started using it before the other person and you've been using that TM, you're much more likely to be able to win a battle between someone that's trying to, to steal your name. And that costs zero dollars. 
And then there's a process in between because it, you and I have applied for the trademark, but then it takes, exactly. I believe, about eight, 18 to 24 months. 18 to 24 months. And that was pre-COVID. So, Oh, that's <laughs> true. I didn't even think about that. I'm going to be waiting a little longer for that little R. <laughs> Who knows now? But yeah, but the thing is you're protected, even though you don't get the little R until you get the certificate, you're really protected as soon as you apply because it's first come first serve. So when you apply, if someone applies for the same name next week, for example, they'll get to your application first and then they'll reject the other person's application because yours would have been there first. So, um, so it's, it's a great way, especially if, like I always tell people, if you are getting clients through referrals and through, you know, networking in person and people know who you are, hmm, trademark may not be as big of a deal because the chances that someone will will be able to steal clients away from you, even if they use a similar name, is probably low, like they know you. But for a podcast, anything that lives online where the brand is what's bringing people to, into your orbit, it's really important to protect it because if someone uses a similar name or tagline or catchphrase or logo, it's easy for people to be confused because they don't know you personally. They haven't met you. You know, they haven't sat down for coffee across from you. They're interacting with the brand, right? They're interacting, if it's a podcast, with the name of your podcast. And so when they do a search, people are not checking to make sure that it's you. They're going with whether the, whatever name comes up that, you know, that they think is, is close enough. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I was giggling. <laughs> um, well, and I, that's a really great point because we've all seen this happen where there have been, there's been plagiarism. I mean, like that's, that's endless. There's uh, fake Instagram accounts that will pop up yeah. under the same name and trying to exactly. pretend to be somebody that they're not. And so walk us through a little bit about more around intellectual property and mm -hmm. the different types of intellectual property and sure. how do we really determine what the value is that is for that um, with us because that's I think the part that and you and I were talking before we jumped on about taking the macro view like sort of yes. the long view and that you and I tend yeah. to both prefer that as opposed to the yes. details <laughs> so if you're just you know writing a blog post or doing whatever we aren't necessarily thinking long term how could this exactly. affect us but we need exactly. to be yeah yeah it's and we want our business to have longevity, we absolutely have to be thinking about the long term. And especially now, like in the past, businesses were, you know, very much tangible assets, right? You built, you bought a building and you put equipment inside of it and made the widget. We now create businesses that are almost entirely based on intellectual property, right? It's our systems, it's our content, it's the, the reputation that our brand has, it's our followers, all of those is intellectual property. And so when you're looking at how to protect and how to manage and value your intellectual property, it helps to do an audit, like literally go through everything that you've written, not just what you sell, but all of the content, what videos have you recorded, what podcasts have you done, all of that is your intellectual property. And then only you will know how important that is to bring in people into your, you know, into your circle. But for most of us, it's really important. That's how people interact with us is through our brand and through our content. So the three major kind of silos of, of intellectual property. So there's trademark, which is anything that's associated with your business, but it has to be associated with business. So it could be your name, tagline, your logo, packaging, even a fragrance. So like if you 
own a salon or spa or something you wanted to to have a specific fragrance for when people come in you can trademark that which blew my mind i didn't even know that (laughs) it's blowing my mind (laughs) a hologram anything pretty much anything in association with your business you can trademark and the trademark is intended to avoid confusion in the marketplace so if someone is providing the same services or the same products as you it prevents them from being able to use a similar name, but you can use the same or similar name if the products aren't confusing. So like Dove is a bar of soap, but also a bar of chocolate because the average person would not confuse the two unless they were very, very hungry. right? <laughs> but, but that's why they can have the same name. So that's trademark. Copyright is any creative work. So it doesn't have to be associated with business. So it could be a poem or a song or an online course, all of your content is subject to copyright. And similarly to trademark, you have a right at common law to your copyright, right? You can just put on it, all rights reserved, this is my copyright, this is my creative work. You can also take the additional step of having a registered copyright, but I would usually only advise to do that if if the work is static. So if you've written a book and you're not gonna change it, then you can register copyright. For online courses that you are constantly tweaking, then you probably want to wait until you're, you're completely done um, and satisfied with it before you register. And then the third thing is a patent, which I don't do, but patent is for an engineering process. So say, for example, you've come up with a new way to create an electric razor or a new type of bicycle because the actual way of doing something is different. That's subject to patent. Um, and you have to find lawyers who understand engineering and those are very few and <laughs> far between, <laughs> why it's expensive. Um, but, it, but if you're coming up with a new product or a new engineering process, then you protect it with patent so that someone can't copy the process and do the same thing. So those are the main three things. What you cannot protect through registration is concepts. So you can protect your name you can protect the, you know, an engineering process, you can protect the content, but the actual idea of what you're doing, you can't protect. So look at Uber and Lyft. So the concept of ride sharing was pioneered by Uber, but Uber couldn't protect, once, it, once people knew what they were doing, Uber couldn't protect and stop other people from doing ride sharing. They could stop them from using Uber, they could stop them from using the same logo, but the concept itself, you can't protect which is unfortunate, but which is why if you have a brilliant new idea for something and you are pitching, whether it's to people to invest in your company or maybe to like say it's an app and you have to talk to developers and you have to tell them about it, otherwise they can't help you bring it to life. It's really important to protect those things with non-disclosure agreements, Mm -hmm. which is something where you have them sign saying, I am sharing this brilliant idea with you you can't use it except to help me. You can't, I don't want to see this come on the market next year <laughs> before I've been able to get to market with it, right? And so you can't register that, but you can have people that you're sharing that information with sign an agreement where they promise not to disclose it to anyone else and not to use it to compete against. That's really, really helpful. That's really helpful. And I, I mean, where does one even begin with all of this? Because 
I, even with, with trademarking the way I did, especially for my course, I trademarked probably mm -hmm. earlier than most likely would. So mm -hmm. where would you, I mean, obviously, ideally it, it's best yeah. to sort of do some of this stuff as soon right as possible. Front. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Like the sooner That's the, the better. Ideal. That's the <laughs> ideal. The ideal is as soon as you are certain about the name. So if you are still kind of going back and forth and you kind of like it, but you're not really sure, then don't do it. Because as you just said, it takes a long time and it's a difficult, it's difficult to change after you started the process. But if you know for sure, this is what you're going to be doing and you know because you know your product or your service that is going to be popular, then I would say the best time is right at the beginning, right? Like all of these legal things, contracts, trademarks, potential incorporations, ideally you do that at the beginning. And here's why. It's easier to put things in place right at the beginning as opposed to having to kind of retrofit. Anyone who's ever done a renovation will know it's much easier to build a new house yes. than it is to, to fix an old one. <laughs> But also from a mindset point of view, like you want to be making the decision from the place of the business that you want to have. So when you're looking at legal protection or any type of insurance, whatever you're looking at, but particularly for legal protection, what do I need to have in place for the business that I want? So if I want a business where my main asset is intellectual property, and I want to build this beautiful brand and I'm going to be able to sell my products, but also maybe I want to license the name. So maybe, you know, I'm really good at podcasts and someone pays me to use the name for microphones, right? What do I need to have in place? If someone's going to pay me for the use of the name, they're probably only going to pay me if the name is protected because if anyone else could use it, it diminishes its value to them. So maybe I need to invest in a trademark. Maybe I need to invest in a licensing agreement, right? So that when people come to me, I have something and I can take advantage of that opportunity. I have a friend who always says, if you stay ready, you won't have to get ready. Oh, that's a good one. Right? <laughs> that's a good one. <laughs> she said this to me after I got a media opportunity and did not have a media kit. And she was like, yeah, see, if you had done this before. <laughs> So I learned my lesson, but yes, in, in legal, that's it. You want to think about where are you going and what do I need to have in place that's going to protect the business that I'm trying to build? What type of clients do I want to work with? Are my clients likely to have lawyers, right? Because I'll share a secret. Lawyers can tell when you've cobbled together things from the internet, right? We can tell a contract. Don't say. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow that doesn't surprise me. <laughs> When you are going after your fancy new clients and your higher level clients, they have lawyers who are reviewing it. And you want to make sure that they're going to take you seriously. And as I said, their lawyers will know when you've just kind of cobbled something together and people will know that they can take advantage because you haven't properly protected yourself, right? So if you want bigger clients, if you want bigger markets, if you want bigger impact, you need to be structuring that from day one. And if the budget doesn't allow you to do everything from day one, that's perfectly fine. It's understanding what you need to move towards and understanding the things that you can do to protect yourself at a, you know, at a lower price point. For example, using the TM, setting up a Google alert for your name or your catchphrase, 
being vigilant. So when people, you know, searching the internet, going through social media to make sure people aren't using it, there are things that you can do until you're in a position to invest, but really it's an investment. It's not a cost. You're investing in protecting assets that are going to pay for themselves and pay you. We were talking before we started recording about how lovely it is to basically to have things working in your business while you rest. Until the only way that you can do that is by having team and by having assets, right? Assets that make money for you while you sleep and a team that works while you sleep or go backpacking or whatever else you want to do. And so you need to protect that, right? If, if your assets are going to generate this revenue and that's what you want, then you, you have to protect them. It's like, you know, when your kid, I know my kids um, had to learn to ride a bike, like they looked like the Michelin man. I had everything wrapped. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> but our businesses are just as precious. Like I consider my business my fourth child. It's just as precious to me um, because it, it allows me to live the life that I want to live and, and will, will allow me to live, you know, the life of my dreams. And so you need to protect that which is precious to you. Well, and, and I mean, you must see, I mean, we were kind of talking, you know, when you mentioned the, the contracts that are sort of cobbled together, what are some of the other sort of most cringeworthy things that you see from, from either from your clients or, you know, your yeah. clients coming to you, showing you something that has been presented to them? Like what, I would love to know some examples of that. Yeah. So people will often take things wholesale from the U.S. And so I get contracts and I've been presented contracts both by both clients and service providers where it says the governing law is the state of New York and it refers to some legislation in California because they've not only just copied and pasted from one contract. So they took one from California, one from New York. Oh no. <laughs> I think that's probably the worst. And you know, the person's in like Vaughan, right? Ontario. I'm like, why, why are we being governed by the state of New York? Oh my gosh. <laughs> so I think that's, that's probably <laughs> the most cringeworthy one. Um, but it's often that people just don't, like the other thing is that people don't read contracts, right? So I have, and I'll, I'll share it with you and you can share it with your audience, but I have a free resource called The Anatomy of a Contract, which kind of teaches you the key things that you should know, the checklist of what you need to understand before you sign on the dotted line. But the issue is that People don't like contracts, which I understand they're, you know, for most people, not the most fun thing to read. People's eyes glaze over. But if you are serious about your business, that's a skill that you have to learn, right? Like sometimes in business there are things that we don't particularly like to do. I hate bookkeeping with a passion um, and have, you know, and have someone do it for me, but I still have to keep track of my receipts and I still have to explain, you know, some of the expenses. Do I like doing it? No, but I don't want a CRA audit. So <laughs> I hear you. Right? I took the same step this year. I'm like, get a bookkeeper because I cannot deal with this. And then it took her six months to onboard me because I was so slow getting everything. Me too. Together. Me too. Exactly. I think this Kelly? month we're finally. Yes. Okay. So no, 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 not Kelly. Not Kelly. Sorry. No. Okay. <laughs> I was like, because I think I've talked to at least like three other people who all also use Kelly and all of us have been like, yeah, it took her like six to eight months to onboard. We're so bad. I don't know how they work with entrepreneurs. I don't either. We're, just... <laughs> we're a nightmare. We just, we want like all the creative energy, like doing all the things. Yeah. 
people are like, what do you mean you need me to do receipts? I, that's yeah, exactly. Like, I don't want to do it. And then they ask me, you know, what, what was this? I'm, I don't remember. <laughs> Just figure it out. This is why I hire you. <laughs> why can't you read my mind? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think that's a general theme with entrepreneurship. And I'm learning that as I'm working more and more with a team where I'm like, you have to, like, I feel like I'm talking to myself, like how I talk to my five-year-old, like use your words. You need to explain to people what is going on in your brain. Like no one can read your mind. You need to tell people what it is that you want. And that's tough with, with a team. That's definitely yeah. a huge learning curve in communication. I can, I consider myself to be a pretty good communicator, but yeah. when it has come to having other people in my business, it's like, I see the vision, but I don't know how to get that across and explain it to them. Yeah, yeah. it's tough. <laughs> it's, it is. It's difficult because you have to be clear. And quite often when, we're, when you're very um, kind of high level, it's clear to you, but not in a way that you can put into words. So it actually is good working with the team because it forces you to, to come down a little bit from the clouds and be like, okay, how are we actually going to get this done? But it's, it's, a, it's a process, right? And for a long time, I shied away from, from having a team because I had such negative connotations with the concept of being a boss because mm. I had some decent bosses, but I wouldn't say the majority <laughs> were. And I just didn't want to be in that place where I like, you know, tell people what to do. And, and then one of my coaches said, what if you just think of it as being a coach? So you're not a manager, you're not a boss. You're just the coach for these people to help them along the way to, you know, to help you fulfill your vision. I was like, oh, that I can do. I can, <laughs> that I can do. It makes it so much more made, doable. <laughs> yeah, just the, just the change of the name, right? Um, but yes, and, and the same thing. So if you have a team, you have to share with them. You have to show how you work. You have to share a little bit of your secret sauce, which is really scary, which is why people don't do it. Again, good contracts and having clear boundaries around what you're going to share with them and how they can use what you share with them does a lot to allay that fear because you've made it clear in black and white. Look, I'm going to share this with you. You can do this with it, but you're not allowed to come after my clients. You're not allowed to leave and compete with me as soon as you've left. Um, and having that really clearly set out and people pay attention. I know people will say, oh, contracts don't mean anything. Yeah, they do. They do. People, if you've gone through the process of having a clearly written out contract and people sign on the dotted line, they tend, not always, but more often than not, they'll tend to behave themselves because it'll be very clear, you know, when they're, when they're breaching it. So I think just, I, that's what I do for me is it's where do I want to be? The same thing with the, with the bookkeeping. So I went to a seminar earlier this year and one of the speakers had built a hundred million dollar business with his father in South Africa. And he was talking about all this financial information and all this financial KPIs. And I was like, I don't know any of that for my business. Like not, I think one thing that he called, I was like, I don't even know what these things are. Never mind what they are for my business. And I went home and I had like a little bit of an existential crisis. Cause I was like, I thought I was doing well. Like I thought I was, you know, leveling up. I don't know any of this. And I went, okay, I need a part-time CFO because I want to be able 
to make data-driven decisions in terms of the, the finances. Like I'm intuitive in a lot of things, but when I'm making spending decisions, I want to know that that's on the basis of actual data as opposed to me thinking things are okay because there's money in the account, right? Um, and so really that was a leap again. And I probably didn't need as much as I invested in right at that time, but I was like, the business that I want to have is going to need a CFO. So I love that approach that you keep bringing up yeah. that, that to really start to, and, and that's also, I, I really hear your, your more macro, like long game approach in that, that I think is so important to yeah. strategy because people just get so sucked down in the details and yeah. they let that hold them back. And, and I've done that before, but overall I tend to be more of, more of the long game person. And I'm like, somebody else figure out the details for me because yes. <laughs> handle the details. I see the vision, but I can't handle the details. Yeah. And, and I think that that really does, you do need a mix of both. And that's also what you and I were talking about before we jump on too, that you, mm. that's, that's when you then hire people who are very detail exactly. oriented and then they can take that part over. And, and yeah. that doesn't mean that you can do it all today, like, especially when yeah. you're just starting out, but it's something that is part of the bigger goal, the bigger vision where you are picturing where you want your business to be and making decisions That's accordingly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. And like this space to, you know, the space to breathe and to think, right. And sometimes that's help in your business. Sometimes that's help at home. Like sometimes the answer is not hiring someone in your business. Sometimes the answer is hiring someone to clean your house or do your laundry or, ordering like a meal service. Like sometimes that you, but you just need that space to think beyond, okay, my email is open and I need to respond to these things. And this person, you, like you need some space to think beyond that. Otherwise you're always going to be down in the weeds and you're not going to be able to work on your business for it to grow. Yeah. Yep. That's such an important distinction too. Yeah. I totally agree. I mean, so somebody is on a budget and mm -hmm. I, I'm going to just kind of throw out what my guess would be is the very first thing to start with. You're at the very beginning of your business. Mm -hmm. I feel as though my first concern would be contracts. Yeah. And is that what you would also advise? I would absolutely agree. Okay. Okay. So that's something to kind of focus on first is to set up contracts yeah. with both clients and potentially any contractors and you're bringing that's in. That's it. Because your business runs on relationships. Right? You're speaking my language, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> you can't have a business without relationships. And really, a contract is just a story of the relationship. Ooh, I, you are just like quoting things. <laughs> I love this. This is awesome. <laughs> but honestly, it helps to kind of demystify it. It's just a story of the relationship. So that when we read a novel, they're, they're characters, a contract, those are parties, right? Who are the two people or three people? in this agreement. Then we have a plot. In the contract, it's okay, what am I supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? How much are you gonna pay me? What am I gonna deliver, right? It's the plot. The only difference really is that a contract has like an alternative ending. So I don't know, when I was growing up, we had like, you know, choose your own adventure. Yes, you your own isn't ending. it goosebumps and stuff? Yes. Right, yes. <laughs> Young people don't know about those days, but anyway. <laughs> Finally those were the days where I can be like, those were the days. <laughs> so 
With a contract, you have an alternative ending if things don't go well. So the plot is, this is what we want to happen. You know, I want to buy your service. I want you to provide wonderful service. I pay you on time. Everyone's happy. But in the event that that doesn't happen, what happens, right? So what if I want to terminate? What if I don't want to be in this agreement anymore? How painful is it for me to leave? What's my escape clause? What happens if we have a dispute? Am I going to be worried that you're going to give me a bad review or vice versa? So we need to address that. So it's all the what ifs. And literally, it's a story. So it's like, this is what I would like to happen. And if things don't work out, this is how I think we can resolve the problem. That's your contract. Yeah. But it's really important because the relationships are important. And especially with your client and with your team, like those are the key things in your business. And you have to make sure that you are on the same page with those people, right? So, and it's not that people are trying necessarily to take advantage of you or be mean. You can genuinely just understand something differently, right? So if we were doing, if we decided to, to enter into agreement and I said, Emily, I want you to help me set up a podcast. And you're like, sure, I'll help you set it up. My understanding of setup is you're going to do everything. You're going to like find the recording studio. <laughs> you're going to put all the software. I don't know what it is involved. <laughs> all the things that go in a podcast, you're going to do. I'm just going to show up and talk, right? And you, your concept of it is, well, I'm going to give you the resources. I'm going to tell you about some of the things that you can do. I'm going to help you with the structure of a podcast. And then you're going to go off. If we haven't put in writing what we're doing, and I also think... Emily's such a good friend. She's not going to charge me, right? <laughs> so if we haven't put in right, I never, I, I wouldn't. I'm just <laughs> as an example. But, but if we haven't put in right in, right, what it is you're doing, what it is you're charging me, then we both, we both think we've agreed, but really we haven't, right? We have different concepts and that's where the dispute and that's where the breakdown in the relationship comes because then you're like, how could Andrea expect that I would do this for free, which is reasonable, but you would be surprised at how many people go to service providers and be like, oh, I thought it was, I thought it was free. <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I share a story? I have a friend who is, who is a family lawyer and she helped this lady through a divorce and she ran out like a huge bill. And normally with family lawyers, they'll like, there'll be a matrimonial home that can be sold. So they won't necessarily take money up front. They'll kind of get paid when this home is sold. So she ran out this bill and then she never paid her. And when she wrote to collect, the client said, but we've become such good friends during the process. I thought you had stopped charging me. I wish everyone could see the look on my face right now. <laughs> oh, no. Like, yeah. It's like you're getting penalized for being a nice person. Like The fact that you provided the service. So just to show that that is not completely ridiculous, like that happens, those people exist. Um, and luckily she had a very clear contract and she was able you know, to, to collect. But, but it's just important that you are on the same page with the other person in the agreement. And a contract in black and white is an excellent way to discover if you are not on the same page. Because when the person reads it, oh, I didn't know that there are no refunds. Oh, let me, maybe they're not on board for that right? But you give them the opportunity to say yes or no before someone starts working with you and then is disgruntled and runs to the internet to say, 
all kinds of bad things, which are untrue, but based on their perception. Right? And that's a big risk these days. And, and I mean, ultimately, what I'm hearing through everything that you're mentioning is themes around boundaries and communication as well, which are really Absolutely. important in any relationship, in any business, yeah. in, in anything in our lives. And the only difference is that you're also adding a sign the dotted line part to exactly. make sure that everyone's covered and that it. everyone is safe. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's, it, it's not, parties. that's exactly it. Yes. When I'm coaching clients through who are, who are having some anxiety about, you know, promote presenting a contract probably for the first time, I say, this is a sign of respect. Because I respect our relationship enough to make sure that we're on the same page. And there are things in here that protect you because it's really clear what I have to provide to you, right? So if I'm not doing my job, you can look at the contract and say, nope, you said you were going to give me five posts a week and you've only been giving me three and it's there in black and white. It protects your client as much as it protects you. And I think if people... Um, you know, came, came at it from that perspective that it's actually a sign of respect that you want to preserve the relationship, it would be easier to do it. The other thing I have to say, I don't know if your audience is um, mostly women or guys, but I have never had this comment from a guy. Never. Never have I worked with a man where he has said, I'm not, I, I, the contract is too long. Or I'm worried that people will be in, never. It never crosses their mind. Nope. It's like, of course, they're going to sign the contract. <laughs> What's the yes. problem, right? Of course, I'm going to use a contract. It is women, because we've been socialized to be so concerned about what other people, you know, are feeling, who go into this existential crisis about, will I be viewed as aggressive? And will I be viewed as mean and too tough? No, you'll be viewed as a business owner who's protecting your business. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. I just, I think I just came out with a podcast episode or else there's one coming up where I, I had to explain because I had to have this conversation with a friend of mine. She came to me with a problem and she asked for my advice. And I said, you are crossing the wires between being business-like and being mean. Yeah, and they're two exactly. different things, but it is. And I am very familiar with that feeling of, mm -hmm. of feeling like I am being mean just because I'm being yeah. business-like. And that's the thing is that that is a female thing. I have all kinds of male friends in business. Those conversations would never, that those, those, like you said, the thought would never even cross their mind. They would just state it for what it is and take it or leave it. Whereas like all of the women, including myself are like, Oh my God, they're going to be so offended. I don't know how they're going to take this. How do I respond? I'm going to come across like an asshole. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's, it's, it's fascinating to me. It so is. before, when I was growing up, I wanted to be an anthropologist. I, I think people are fascinated and that's always been amazing to me. Like it, it never fails. I have yet to have a guy and I've been practicing for 13 years. Never yet has a guy had that conversation with me, have it with women all the time. So I have a friend who says, who has actually a print in her office that says, um, and I think this is from Brene Brown, um, to be clear is to be kind. Mm. And whenever I feel that I'm being, because I suffer from it as well, right? Like, but whenever I yeah. feel that maybe it's coming across as being mean, I try to remember that I am being kind by being clear because we all know where we stand. That's a beautiful way of putting it. I have heard that before and I'd completely forgotten yeah. about it. So I'm really glad you, you brought that up. That's awesome. Like, you just keep dropping the nuggets today, Andrea. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. 
this has just been like, I, and I asked you before we jumped on too about if there was anything you were fired up about right now. And yeah. I know we already talked a little bit about, you know, that you're, you're getting really excited about this awesome team that you're putting in place. But I kind of want to circle back to that to also talk about some of the reasons why you're so excited. And then we had a conversation around Instagram and mental health and stuff like that. And, and you were saying <laughs> that, you know, people will say, oh, you look so, so happy and great on your Instagram. And you're like, yeah, I, I was sleeping while that post was going up. And I'm like, those are goals <laughs> right there. Those are the goals. It's <laughs> like have Instagram being done for me while I'm sleeping. That's the end. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a long journey. It's like I, I, when I started was in the place of hustle all the time. Like I had no time for myself. I didn't look after myself at all. And I and think then, it's also very typical of your profession as well. I need to exactly. point that out. Very typical of your profession. Yes. It's a badge of honor. Right? Yes. To, to be able to go on for billable hours, sleep or billable hours and yep. work really hard. And, um, and it, it is it, it, in big firm culture, you're expected to be there long hours. Like that's just part of, of the culture. And when I started, you know, you take kind of what you've been taught, right? That's, that's how lawyers are. And then in 2018, I got a stage two breast cancer diagnosis and everything changed because I was like, yeah, this has probably happened because I haven't been looking after myself. Like I've been so stressed and I don't have time to exercise. And I mean, who knows really cosmic nature. <laughs> I take it as a wake up call, but for me, it became really important to, and then also I was a solopreneur and so it was like, oh, well, what's going to happen when I'm going through treatment? What's going to happen to my clients? What's going to happen to my business? I was fortunate. I worked with a naturopath who was amazing. And I actually was able to work through chemo mostly. I mean, not that I'm, I'm not like physically, you know, not out shooting hoops, right? But, <laughs> but still, I, that, that thought has been present in my mind since then. I was like, I need to be able to grow a business that could work without me. Not because I expect to be sick again, but because I wanna be sleeping, or I wanna be you know, on a beach in Bora Bora, or I don't know, playing with my kids. Like, they, I love my job, I love my business, but there are other things in life besides that. But I also wasn't willing to give up my revenue goals. So, <laughs> so my whole focus became, how do I make more <laughs> and work less? It's all, all that was was important and so what I came up with and I think I'm not the first person to say this but really there are two ways right so either you build team that can work while you are sleeping or in Bora Bora or you create intellectual property you create assets that can work for you mm -hmm. so if you create an online course it can sell while you are sleeping and those, you know, the, you've experienced that, you know, those payment notifications when you're sitting down watching Netflix, it's the best feeling in the world. It is. The first time that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, what? I was just here watching TV and like money came into my account. I cannot explain how, I'm, especially from someone from the legal background where traditionally people do billable hours. So if you're not actively working, you're not making any yes. money. That was just like, a whew. So assets and then team, because if you hire people who are aligned and who believe in the same things for your business and, and life in general as you do, those people can work with your clients. 
those people can handle the things that, you know, you can take some things off of your plate so that you can rest. And the more that I have rested and taken care of myself and taken time from the business, the more the business has grown. Which had you told me that in 2017, I never would have believed. (laughs) Andrea, I feel like you're sending me like cosmic signs because you are about the sixth person to say that to me in probably the last 48 hours. And I think I told the last person clearly talking to you. I'm like, I feel like this is a sign. And the fact that you just said this now, I'm like, okay, I get it. (laughs) I love it. This universe is hitting you over the head. (laughs) Oh my gosh. No, and it's true. And I've heard this so many times before that when we release some things a little bit, that's when things actually grow because otherwise we'll push so hard. Not only are we stressing ourselves, we're burning ourselves out, our mental health is suffering, all of that, yeah. but that resistance, like we're, we're actually blocking things That's it. from growing. Yes. Yeah. I try to look at it when I'm at my most kind of woo-woo, but I kind of look at it as it's going to happen if I would only get out of the way. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. Andrew, I just, yeah. I like, I just think that you are so brilliant and obviously intellectually, I, I always know how brilliant you are intellectually as well, but I, I, you just always drop these like knowledge bombs and I just, I just adore you. Seriously. This has been, this <laughs> is you. so much more than just a legal podcast. I'm like, this was like a coaching session, right? Here. <laughs> That's what I do with my clients. <laughs> it's awesome. And I can coach for that. You did. Yeah. We've had like great conversation and yeah. <laughs> awesome oh my goodness is there anything else that you really want to stress for people to know about the legal side of building their business before we wrap up let's see so we've talked about contracts we've talked about ip i really i just want to double down on that whole build build for the business you want not you have i think if people kind of step out of the business a little bit. And I know it's hard when you're starting, it's hard when you're growing and you're, there's so many things that require attention, but really thinking as a CEO, not as a self-employed person, not as a freelancer, not as a solopreneur, but really as the CEO of your business. Um, there's a, a book that I read when I was starting called The E-Myth um, by Michael Gerber, I think. And in it, they suggest right at the beginning of your business, doing an organizational chart as if it was like Pepsi-Cola, right? And initially, every line in that chart is going to be you, right? Like the CEO is you, but also the administrative assistant is you, the courier is you, like everything is you. But when you look at your business and you actually plot out the, the, the positions that your business needs to grow to get to where you want it to be, you start to think like a CEO. And even though you're doing everything, you understand that there are different positions. And so as the business grows, you're like, okay, my next hire is, I know my next one is gonna be an admin assistant, or I know the next thing is gonna be a marketer. And you start to view the business as something separate from you that you are growing to facilitate your dreams as opposed to something that you are constantly in. And I know that's not really legal advice, but. But I think that bleeds into everything. It bleeds into legal because you're going to make decisions about your business from that place. You're going to make decisions about your finances and your bookkeeping 
from that place. And that's the place where you're going to make the best decisions from. Yes. Oh, that is such powerful advice. And I have that book sitting on my bedside table and haven't read it yet. So you're just giving me some more signs here. (laughs) All in alignment. (laughs) We are so in alignment. This is awesome. (laughs) Oh my goodness. Andrea, you have some resources um, to offer people. I know you mentioned the anatomy of a contract. You also have uh, the secure startup as well. Can you tell us a little bit about that? I do. So remember at the beginning, I was talking about how frustrated I was when people bring these like state of New York and state of California (laughs) templates. So for years, it was frustrating. Like clients would say, oh, I got something off the internet and it would be a, a disaster. And I was like railing against templates. And eventually I thought, well, there's no point in just complaining. Like maybe I can do something about it. And so the secure startup is done for you, customizable templates for Canadian entrepreneurs, because there was a lot of resources available for um, our friends to the South, but not a lot for Canadians. And these are industry specific. So it's not a generic thing that, you know, you just plug in your name and your address. I've really taken the time to think about what individual industries need. So it comes with a guide um, that is industry specific. It comes with templates that have been designed for your industry. So right now we have for beauty entrepreneurs, for online entrepreneurs, for coaches and consultants, um, and for naturopaths who, as I said earlier, have a special place in my heart. But um, but yeah, they they and the feedback has been has been really amazing um, in terms of people saying, you know, I've looked. I've looked for something that fit me and couldn't find anything that fit me. And this is the first thing that did. So um, that's at the securestartup.ca. And um, yeah, go check it out. If you're in any of those industries, we have new ones coming all the time. We have an online course creator bundle that's going to come out shortly. Um, But if you're in any of the industries that I, that I said, beauty entrepreneurs, coach consultants, online entrepreneurs, or naturopaths, there is a bundle specifically for you. That's really exciting. And as a Canadian, I can vouch that it is much more difficult to find that type of stuff and those types of resources for Canadians from Canadians, basically. So yeah, Yeah. that's, that's awesome. So we're going to link all of that up. It's all going to be linked up. Andrea, where can everybody find you and connect with you? So I hang out often on IG at Henry Business Law (laughs) and then Website is henrybusinesslaw.com, but I'm much more fun on IG than on on the website. (laughs) I feel like most entrepreneurs are. Like IG is like our playground and website is just like the professional version. The professional version. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Andrea, I have one more question for you. If you could give people one piece of advice on growing into the best possible version of themselves, what would it be? Oh, wow. That's a good question. (laughs) Listen to your gut. I, uh, yeah, and, and make enough time in your life to be still and listen to your gut. Whenever I have listened, it always steers me right. And I only ever regret when I don't listen <laughs> because then things go wrong. Um, I think we kind of know the answer a lot of the times, but it, sometimes it's not logical. And so especially for, um, for me coming from like the law background and like my dad is a scientist. So like I've grown up with this analysis and logic and like, if someone can't show me the logical steps, I'm not doing it. And recently I've released a lot of that. And so try to make decisions from a really intuitive place and try to get still to listen to my gut. And 
that has made a huge difference in like level of happiness, level of happiness with decisions, um, <laughs> which is important. Yeah, I, I listen, listen to your gut, listen to your own intuition. Beautiful reminder, beautiful reminder. Oh my gosh, Andrea, this has just been the most fun hour, seriously. <laughs> I, I, when you and I were talking for 20 minutes beforehand, I was like, I could talk to you all day. We better hit record now or I'm Same going to take up your entire afternoon. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. Truly. I, I hope everyone found this as massively helpful as I did. And I've worked with you in a professional capacity. I can absolutely speak to that as well, not just from the podcasting standpoint. And I just think you're awesome. So everyone needs to go connect Thank with Andrea. You. <laughs> Thanks, <Emily. laughs> Thank you so much, Andrea. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening to the podcast today. It means the absolute world to me, and I'm so grateful. For any references in the episode and all show notes, be sure to jump over to roomtogrowpodcast.com. And if this episode touched your heart, it would mean so much if you would take a quick second to hit subscribe, write a review, and share on social media or with someone who really needs to hear today's message. It makes such a difference to keep this podcast going so I can continue to bring you amazing content and absolutely incredible guests. Be sure to tag me over on Instagram at Emily Goff Coach so that I can thank you in real time for listening and connect with you. We're back every Tuesday and Thursday with new episodes and I'm looking forward to growing with you.